0: if you can welcome up Pastor Ron Bra from Calvary Chapel, Hilo. Good morning, everyone. Well, the one thing I want to uh, just not be political, but uh, really say Rick is the man that God's called here. I know he loves God, and he loves you. And this is something through his teaching that he will instill in you, and God will use him to do that. And that's really the most important thing, that you have God's love in your heart. Now, you really don't know me other than I'm from Hilo. Our fellowship has the gift of gab. You guys are kind of quiet. And um, when I was young, just to give you a a quick, not a full testimony, I went to Wapahu Intermediate. This is back in the 60s. And then from Wapahu Intermediate, I went to Waianae High School. I was a pot in those days, okay? And then my family moved back to the mainland, and years later, God moved me back. The reason that I say this is God was already working in my life. I wasn't a Christian. I was actually in a cult-like church. And no matter what you have gone through, God has been preparing you for such a time as this. And God, as as he said, wants to use you. And this is really very important is because we how could God use me? Well, he's prepared you. Let me open a prayer. Father, we ask again for your leading, your prompting, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, that you would stir us. Lord, just... Revive our hearts. Return us to that first love that, Lord, wherever we go, whatever we say, Lord, we are pouring out your love. That you, Jesus, working through us are inoculating people with that love. So I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I moved back to the mainland, um, I became a businessman, a businessman, 20 years, I had my own business. Uh, Actually, 25 years. 18 years, I should say this. I was married, divorced, and then I was born again. Before I knew it, God took the desire for my business away and moved me back to Hawaii. Guess where he moved me? Yeah, Waianae, but actually Makah. My daughter was going to Makah Elementary, little Howley girl. Changed a lot. But God was preparing me. He'd always put me around culture. I loved culture. I was a nurseryman. uh, Raised plants. Juan, they have more plants than we do. Juan is our worship leader in the back. He's over here in Maui from up country, And he's over here ministering as well. But everything that I went through was preparing me. My wife, ex-wife, first wife, and second wife, same person both born again and brought back together and then sent to Hawaii. Everything that we went through was necessary for us to be the man, the woman that God would have us be. He's prepared us for such times as as this. And I'm saying that he has been working in you all this time. And maybe you don't even know it and probably he's working through you and you didn't know it and it hasn't gone to your head and God gets the glory. That's the real good one. And so all of us have experienced tragedies in different ways. Tragedies, we don't like them. We focus upon those tragedies. But what's interesting, we live in Hawaii. In Hawaii, it's interesting because we're out in the middle of the ocean away from everything else. And while tragedies are going around the world, it always seems like someplace else. And when I think back again, these natural disasters, notice I'm using that word natural disasters. Well, when we go back and we think of the tsunami in Asia in 2004, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, the cyclone in Milmar in 2008, and the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, and I think of Mauna Loa, the eruption back in 1881. The deadly tsunami that really devastated Hilo in 1946. Up the coast in Lapa Hoy Hoy, there was a family there. The little school was down on the beach, and they lost three kids at that time. See, tragedy comes, and then we had... Again the volcano eruption in nineteen eighty-three and Hurricane Aniki and Kauai and the eruption of notice I'm going to Hawaii. Kilauea in 2018. The hurricane lane floods again and that it, it came in 2018. And now Lahaina. But it was in 2019 it was affected, not to the severity. Every one of these things that God was working and using. Real quickly, when we had, again, in 2018, many of the people were displaced, were put in a gym, living in tents, not hotels, no privacy. The cults were moving big time at that time. And even raising up cults during that time, and we were there ministering. We had a booth that just says, Need prayer? And we prayed. And what I hope today is kind of talk about tragedy how do we deal with it? How God wants to use you in a time like this. But there's one question first you have to answer in your mind Will you be available? Will you let Him? Use you. Will you surrender your life? Damn, that's really what it boils down to. Again, these natural disasters, and I'm talking about Hawaii, and they are true everywhere, have really left Hawaii's history scarred. But that's also paved the way for many lessons. Maybe the government hasn't learned, some people haven't learned. But every time you go through a disaster, a tragedy... Hopefully you learn the lesson well. Let me give you a clue. My prayer is always in those times, Lord, help me learn the lesson well. I don't want to come back here again. Well, notice the word prayer. We really need him. We need him to speak through us, to love through us. One of the things I've also noticed in these times, it brings a unity among the people. You know, normally we're kind of moving in all kinds of different directions. We're so busy with our own lives. What did Jesus say? If anyone want to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me daily. That devoted life. And sometimes these things have to happen to bring us, as he was mentioning, back to this place that we're living a devoted life for him. Well, in these times these are things that I've learned I've gone through many tragedies with different people and they always have a series of questions and I'm going I'll give you the series of questions you already know them in fact but what I want you to understand is they just want to talk they don't want you to answer these questions and we just need as Rick says to listen to them you know what they really need is Jesus. Oh, not even to preach at them, but they need the touch. His ears. You are his hands, his his ears, his eyes. As they're talking, you're praying for them. Praying and asking God, God, what do you want me to hear? I know they're saying this, but what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to do? And why it breaks your heart, it breaks my heart. God is working. And he's prepared you for those situations. And this is important to understand. So what are those questions when, when these times strike? And it's always like this. Why did this happen? Did God cause this? If not, why did, he, why did he even allow it? And and most of the people that use these, say these questions don't even believe in God. After all, these are acts of God. That's what the world says. But see, God's already working, working in their mind, working in their hearts. And this is why what they need is to, to know the tender mercies of God just sitting there. Showing that you do love, that you do care. Because you could be going about your life. In fact, the danger and all this that has happened right now, things will get better. Things will change. How will it affect you? Will you get back in that fast lane? Or these situations that you're going through that God puts you in will change you for eternity because this is all about character building and drawing people to himself. You are his ambassadors. I am his ambassador. And how will we represent him? Loving, caring, tender. Do they know the God that you and I believe in? And oftentimes there's some other questions. And uh, if this... is if God did out, why did it happen? And what can I do? And does any good really come out of it? And you just need to listen. You need to hold them. Just being there is so important. And being there when you are there letting your heart engage with their heart, God will guide you. God will show you. It's not for you and me to say, I'm going to preach them the gospel, but asking God, what, what, what do you want me to say? And oftentimes i found that God just <laughs> zips my lip. And sometimes you just have to say, I, I, I don't understand either, but I know Things will get better. And now when you're with that one person, you need not just to walk away and think, I've done my Christian duty. No, you need to follow up with that person. You need to show that you really care, that God cares. And God will lead you. But when they ask this question, Again, why did this happen? And they say, well, it must be an act of God. Insurance companies like that, they, they want to get out of it if they can. But oftentimes people know enough about the Bible just to find fault. After all, if you remember, again, the flood that God destroyed. The world wants with the flood, the judgment. God's judging and God's not judging he allows it if he is judging you know where i think he's judging this is when i do this this is my opinion the church because we have come to the conclusion that church is just coming to church and going away and you live like the world the rest of the the week but the church is the people what do I mean by that? that? That when we go out these doors, we are the church. We worship Him. We talk about Him. We minister together. We serve one another. We go and make disciples. We spread the love of Jesus. And, and we've reduced it just to coming here on a Sunday morning. And why this is important, but there's the other days a week. Do they see that we really believe in God? And, but, but the world looks at the, the judgment, the things that have come in the past, or Sodom and Gomorrah, they know what we hate, and they're, they're looking for things not to believe, and then they're going to blame God for everything. And, and then there's the famine, the pestilence, and God disciplines those. That God of the Old Testament. I don't like him. He's a mean, angry God, but they don't see the mercy and the grace. They've heard these stories. And yet, when you and I sit there, they see a different God. When you put your hand maybe on their shoulder, or just wrap your arms around them, maybe it, it should go a little further, where you maybe invite them over to your house. Oh, that's uncomfortable. And provide a a meal for them. And fellowship. And love them and let your kids get to know them and your grandkids get to know them. Because that's what God does. He connects this with people. See, while the world is misunderstanding God, they they don't know God because we haven't gone out and, and let them see God. And this is an opportunity, first of all, for you and me. To be there, to let them see God. To see God's love. His mercy and grace. See, disasters are part of the, the natural process in the fallen world. We forgot that. We forgot about Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and really the, the sin, the rebellion, the curse that came upon this earth. In fact, let me read from Romans chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. For creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it hope that creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to its corruption in the freedom, the glory of the children of God. For we know that whole creation groans and suffers in the pains and the childbirth together until now. Remember those that small list that I started in the beginning of those disasters? That's nothing. And if you're reading in Matthew 24, it says these things are necessary, but these aren't the end. These things God brings out of this darkness light where you may not see it immediately, but in the end. And sometimes you'll even... He'll speak through you in such a way, and you go, why did I say that? And then realize that it was exactly what needed to be said. There's so many times I've said things to people, and I I go, why did I say that? And then people throw their arms around me, and it's exactly what they needed to hear. And that wouldn't have happened unless I was there. It wasn't that they came to me. I went to them. That's what ministry is, is, is going out, going to the people. Jesus always was among the people. And, and as the crowds gathered, they, they started bringing more and more. And he taught them. Well, again, the world is under a curse. One day we know that curse is going to be reversed for you and me. We know there's going to be a new heaven and earth. Are we excited about that? I am. Because, number one, there's going to be no sin. No pain, no sorrow, no death. See, these things I'm saying to you is to to remind you of our future, our hope. We have a hope that the world doesn't have and doesn't even know. and, And just being there. At some point, when you continue with those people, they're going to start asking you questions because they see something different about you. And you remember that passage It says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within? Oh, and gentleness, tenderness, I'm going to add the word mercy. We like that verse for apologetics. What if you're just living the life of Christ and you're like Christ? And they feel like they're drowning. And they know that you've gone through things. Maybe you've even lost loved ones. and Yet you're here. And at some point they're going to ask you, how can you keep walking? How can you keep moving forward? Every one of us have experienced tragedy. And I'm going to encourage you. More tragedy is coming. And everything that you've gone through has prepared you for that next time that comes. Can we learn the lesson well? Because no one likes to hurt. And God can use you just the way that you are. And He's called you by name. Well, we know there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. Sometimes God simply allows these, again, events, facts to happen, this course to, to run its own course, time and, and and chance to happen. And we see that in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Let me read. You can't get there fast enough. I again saw under the sun that race is not to... Swift and the battle was not to the warriors and neither the bread or the wise nor the wealth of the discerning nor the favor to men of ability for time and chance overtake them all. Sometimes things just happen. You've seen that bumper sticker. Things happen, I'll put it that way. They do. But when it happens, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? See, this message is really about you to take this message out in action. Not so much in words until they begin to ask. Some of these disasters are man made sometimes. Chernobyl, Exxon Valdez, the oil spill, if you remember. Bridges collapsing in different places, and forest fires. And California is known for its fires earthquakes, you understand those. When I lived in San Bernino for a while, there was this bridge that went way up over this to the other side. It was right on the fault line. You're on that bridge when an earthquake comes. It's like, whoa. Man does some of the stupidest things in the world, doesn't he? Because we don't seek God then there's Job, if you remember. How would you like to be Job, modern Job? God's bragging about you. No one likes that story. But you know, there are many people that have gone through that. And they're going through that because God is wanting to reach them. Let me give you an illustration, a real-life illustration. There was a guy that was in our church, moved back to Cincinnati, outside Cincinnati, to take care of his father. His aunt stepped off the curb, got hit by a bus. His father died, and he comes back. Again, to the big island just to rest, to get away. He, he goes out to not Waipio, the other valley over. I can't think of it now. And He, he swims out guts gets caught in an undertow, and he's fighting for a long time. Finally comes in to the shore, gets in there, and what does he do? He has a seizure and falls in the fire. helicopter has to fly in because the guy's with him goes out and, and has to run up this hill, the cliff, to get him to come. He ends up coming to church, burns all over him everything, and somebody said to him, this is where we blow it. Oh, you're a modern-day Job. And he hit the ceiling. Sometimes we can say hurtful things. That's why I say the best thing is just to listen, just to touch. A friend of mine, his son committed suicide on his father's birthday. He packed a suitcase. He wanted to go to heaven. He knew about heaven. Fathers, mothers should never have to bury their kids. Would you agree? How would you stand at the grave of your own child that's being buried? He described later on There's no way he could have done it. Jesus was the one that was holding him up that whole time. Jesus will hold you up to hold them up, and he will hold them. The question is, would we be available? Will we allow ourselves to be in that situation? Will we allow our hearts to go to someone that's hurting? Everything that Job went through, he grew closer to god his roots grew deeper people now are taking this lahaina wildflower and wildfire excuse me not flower and saying it's find the prophecy in the bible and judgment's coming in 40 days there's so many hurtful people out there on the internet saying things they should never say and all you need to do is just be there. To sense and pray, God, what would you have me see? God may not use you that day, but you know, you may find that God did use you just being there. Just caring. Just holding them when they're pouring their tears out but I got places to go. It's okay, you don't have places to go because your life is not your own. See, these things are so important is just to listen, just to to be there, just to to touch them and care about them. So the question again, the other one I want to address is, why does God allow or cause it? It doesn't necessarily, but what God does is we know he brings out of darkness light. There has been so much gracious giving to Steve in other places. People have dipped in their pockets and given, and, and maybe even denied themselves in many ways. And, and many people have got up and been there ministering, willing to do whatever but changes us, it transforms us. Perhaps you've gone through situations like that. Every circumstance taking you back, what you've gone through, there is nothing that has ever happened to your life, no place you've ever been, that God is not going to use it for good if you let him. In my nursery, I nurtured plants. Plants. You know what I do today? Nurture people. In my nursery, there was the California School at Riverside. You're familiar with them. And I had many of them that were older uh, parents that had kids when they're older. So they had other disabilities beside, you know, hearing or blindness. They dealt with so many different things. And they would come into our nursery and just to develop motoring skills. I wasn't a believer at that time, but you know God was working in my life, developing compassion and love and caring. You need to think back at all the things that you have gone through and realize God has prepared you for such a time as this. There's no accidents. I want to add one phrase. I love this phrase. The best is yet to come. You know that, and I know that. And the the world needs to know that you really believe that, that these things are temporal. And James talks about your life is like what? A vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, you don't know if you have another moment. Another moment to share with your friends, your family, or just to be there with someone. Uh, Another quick illustration in Southern California, Christian station, there was a man. He says, you don't know whether you have another day, another moment. This, this is the DJ. The DJ went off, got in his car, going down the freeway. He was hit head on and died. You know, the, those that heard it on the radio that weren't Christians, there were several that came to the Lord because of that. They took those words very, very seriously. How serious do you take your faith? This is really important. How serious do we take our faith? See, it's out of times like this that God develops patience. Does anyone pray for patience? Uh, We got a mixed crowd here. You know, you know what happens if you pray for patience. <laughs> There's trials and stories. But, but those, again, remember those things are necessary. How else do you learn? My grandson, he's on a little bike. They don't have training wheels on him anymore. They're just kind of low and, and they get going and then they kind of put their legs out like that and then all of a sudden it takes a spill. That's a trial and a minor trial. But sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Anyone ever learn the hard way? God knows that that 's why He allows things in our lives to toughen us up, but not just to toughen us up to bring out the love, the gentleness, the compassion everything that you go through is important. Oh, I know you get frustrated at the moment when those things happen, and we and this is the problem we got all of our eyes upon the the catastrophe, whatever it may be. But then you pause and think, well, God, you are on the throne, aren't you? The world needs to know that we believe that he's on the throne. And we're here because of him. So it's in times like this that we see, again, patience being formed in people and generosity in people. And we also see people drawing near confessing their sins, repenting of their sins. It's not a good situation as far as what has happened there. But only a a loving God can bring good out of such a dark situation. Whenever the innocent and righteous die... And why those are, are, are saying, well, this is a hell and God's judging line. Wait, wait a second. There were Christians that were there. That died. What does God say about the Christians when they die? Let me read from Psalm 116, 15. I'm sure you know it. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the godly ones. What happens when you close your eyes in this world? And you open your eyes and behold the beauty of the Lord. And in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. See, this is what motivates us, empowers us to continue to go. And sometimes the weight of the pain and the sorrow and the grief that they're going through, that, that you know that you need to be there because God was there for you before someone else was there before. And you want them to know the God that you know and the hope that they don't know. See, the death of the righteous removes the suffering, the evil. God brings good out of it. You know that sometimes, and you and I can't really make this judgment call. I said this one time after a... Um, a celebration of life. There was a man who had been on painkillers for a long time, and he just couldn't get off him. And two weeks before he died, he went cold turkey off him. He was reading the Bible all the day long. And then he passed away, and his wife and daughter and some of the family were, you know, we did the service, and I'm standing there with him. And And I said, you know, this was an act of mercy. And I thought, oh, gosh, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to be. It is. And again, they threw their arms around me as well. Why? Because he was no longer in any pain. They knew that he had returned to the Lord. He was with the Lord. There's no more pain and suffering. It was also mercy for the family because it was tormenting them to see him going through all those things. Most people don't know what someone else is going because we just don't get close enough. And this is one of the times that God wants to get you closer to someone as he's close to you. Again, in Isaiah 57, 1 through 2, listen, the righteous man perishes, no man takes it to heart. The devout man are taken away, and while no one understands, for the righteous man is taken away from evil, he enters into peace. There rest in beds each one who walked in an upright way. God knows him. God, it, these things can be truly a blessing, yet you can't say that to someone now. But as they come to the Lord, as they begin to read these, there's those what they call divine moments, and they begin to read something, and they know that God is speaking to them. I remember when my wife's Grandmother died, and she had shared the gospel, and she was a, a Kentucky hillbilly. You ever know any Kentucky hillbilly? Well, you know, I can't talk like they do. But, and she was going to share the gospel way back east, and she says, honey, I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. and you know, But she did it in her hillbilly kind of tone. But when my wife got home and she passed away, she still had doubts. The enemy puts doubts in her mind, doesn't he? He's very good at that. But my wife couldn't read. Tears were coming down her eyes. She wanted to see her in heaven. She knew what she said. But but really, God, and, and, and this is not what she normally does. She kind of flips the Bible open to a certain place, and she reads it. And she started those tears of sorrow turned to tears of joy. She knew that God was speaking through her. In those right times, when that person comes to the Lord, they'll look back, and they'll see the hand of God on their life that whole time, just as it was for me bringing me to Hawaii, working with the culture, taking me through everything, preparing me for Hilo. Again, let me read from Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so they may rest from their labors and their deeds and follow with them. The best is yet to come. Hang on to that. Let the world see that. Again, let me read from Luke chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and surged, and the surging of waves and they stopped. And it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They're fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this? That he commands even the winds and the water that they should obey him. What do they do? They were just focusing on the tragedy, on the storm. Isn't that what happens to you and me in the very beginning? And, and that's where they're at. And, and we need to let them go on. It's part of the grief process. To Just be there for the time that we can talk, when they will ask questions. So we are ready to give them a reason for the hope that lies within. And you can never answer these questions until they hear from Jesus. Remember Jesus, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no way the Father, but through him, truth is a person. Until they hear from him, all the words that we want to give them are not going to make any sense. In fact, oftentimes it just pushes the people away. They need that touch of Jesus Verse. The disciples were perishing in that storm. These people are perishing, suffering. They're being, in their motions, being in this vortex, caught and, and taken down. They just need someone right there with them. Again, in most cases, people don't expect you to answer these questions. They really don't need answers. They just need you to be there. Can you be there? This is something you'll have to decide. And what they really need is a touch of Jesus. And can you be that touch of Jesus? Can, can his love flow through you? They need someone to sit with them. And if they say nothing, say nothing. Just hold them. And if they weep, we weep with those who weep. We listen. They need to feel loved right now. Because love is what will sustain them, and love is what's going to, to keep them. We don't need to tell them what they're not going to understand and when I was going through the situation when the volcano people lost their homes one lady she uh, when the volcano come she lost her home one day and the next day her husband died of a heart attack and they had no insurance on in the house and she just needed talk and prayer And as I sat down there with this banner, need prayer, they first, they would walk by trying to figure out what is all this about, but as one began to come and I would pray with them, they would tell someone else, some you can't reach, but we just choose to be available and watch what God does. Sadly, in the midst of them, there was a man that walked by like that several times and And then one day he says, okay, I finally got it. And we began to discuss the Bible together. He knew the Bible. And he says, well, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going to the mainland because what they were doing, flying some people out of here to the mainland. And he said to me, I'm going to go and start the next biggest cult in Southern California. And he was there ministering. Not ministering, but going through that crowd. In Hilo, again, when this happened, you know the group that was the leader in this whole group was not the Christian church. Samaritan's Purse was there. The chaplains were there. The Mormons were leading the group. Because Christians won't be Christians. Christians. We've reduced it just to coming to church on Sunday. There were some, but the cults move in a big time. That's why we need to be there, to be there with them, supporting them in prayer, finances, finances we can but what what can we really do well we can do the finances and and we can do different things and i understand that but the bible says again it reminds us in galatians 6 10 that we're to do good first to the household of god and then to all men you know the one thing i like about hawaii you may a lot of people don't have a lot but man they give the they give the shirt off their back at least I found that on our island. Juan has told me about it up in his area the same thing that's happened where his family are. What we can do, it really depends on what you do. I can sit down, I can minister to people that are going through a divorce or they lost a loved one. We were in a mortuary for several years, the chapel there. And I did a lot of the funeral service for believers and unbelievers, and I can sit with them. And by the way, because I was divorced, I can do counseling for those that are possibly going to get divorced. You know what makes a good counselor? A great failure. Any, any, are there any good failures here today? Then that qualifies you if you have been born again in Jesus Christ, because he can use you. I know all the things that you can do wrong. Because I've done them. Well, again, what can God give? What skills does He give you? What resources? My daughter, one of the things she did is she um, made a website, Pray for Lahaina. You can sign up, put your name in, your email, and she asks one question. Can you pray for one year? And they connect you with somebody. Who's gone through a situation? You don't really connect with them individually. You just pray the way it's set up now. They don't beat you up for money. Pray. Maybe that's what you do good, well, is pray. Now imagine somebody went through it, and the more people get on here, and you're praying for one family, but what if there's a thousand people praying for that family? Wow. My daughter works on the computer, so she uses her computer skills. There's a surveyor in our fellowship that when that time comes, they get ready to, to, to rebuild. You're going to need people to survey, and he'll come and do the survey. You just needs somebody to help with him. He'll do it free. So you may help now. You may be helping later. You're praying and asking God, well, God, what would you have me do? And I'm, one of the things I think he'll have you do is get involved with the people now so you know the people. Isn't it kind of nice when you come to church and you recognize somebody here? They need to recognize there's people that care about them. And oh, by the way, when you're sitting with this person, you're sitting with this person, everyone else is watching. While you're over here just sitting with them, God's working over there. He's working all the time as we sang that song. Well, do good to all people. I think it starts with the household of God, but man, if there's somebody in need, you could help that need. That's what we do. And ultimately, God will open the door. We have the illustration, you know, the good Samaritan. He was there to help. He paid the bills. He cared enough to do something. We can't say we love if we don't do something. Love is a word of action. But again, you don't know what to do. All you need to do is fall on your knees and pray. And all you need to do is move forward. And as you're moving forward, God's the one that's going to put you in that place. He's going to show you what to do. We should not hesitate to help. In fact, when I go to the hospital, maybe you've gone to the hospital to minister to anyone. Anyone ever done that? One of the things that I've learned, and and you probably agree with me, I go there to minister somebody, and and I minister too. No, no, wait a second. I went there to minister, and I ministered too. Let me tell you about another lady. She had gone through cancer treatments, and she says, I'm not going through it again. And this is so important to understand. This is what God does. And she's in hospice at home. Her husband goes in to to see her. And she says, no, he hasn't come yet. And he said, oh, Jesus. He's thinking, okay, I'll, I'll go back. I'll come back. And he comes back an hour later, and she's looking up in the ceiling with this hugest smile on her face. He come to take her away. I'm sure you've been in a situation where you've ministered to people not wanting to go to be with the Lord, not thinking they're good enough even, and yet as you spend time with them over a period of time, all of a sudden they're ready. And they go and they have a huge smile on their face. Finally, it's like I'm saying, we need to Pray for those divine moments, divine opportunities. God, just put me in that place. You're going to see them around town from time to time scattered. Maybe, you know, a friend of a friend or maybe a family member that has someone. Hey, when you go, can I go with you? And minister to them. It's our duty to pray for for everyone. In fact, James 5.16, I'm sure you know it. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. That's the first part of it. Pray for one another so you may be healed. But this is the tail end of it. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Oh, I read that first part because it's part of a a larger context, I understand. But what is saying here in the end? The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And you know the thing I really like about that? Sometimes God answers your prayer and uses your prayer, and you don't even see it. I like that. You know why I like that? We all struggle with pride. Anyone struggle with pride? Yeah, yeah. Thou shall not lie. That's always my line. Because it would go to our head, wouldn't it? I did something. God's wanting to work through you. He wants us to get out of the way and let him work through us. Well, again, I want to end with this final illustration. It's from Charles Spurgeon. He gives this illustration. There was a young girl in heaven now, once a member of this church. I went with one of my beloved deacons to see her when she was very near her departure. She was in the last stage of, again, of sickness fair and sweet and beautiful. She looked, and I think I never heard such syllables as those who fell from the lips of this young girl. She had disappointments. She had trials. She had, again, troubles. But all these she had one word to say about, except for that she blessed God for them. See, she realized what God was doing. They had brought her nearer to the Savior, and when we asked her whether she was afraid of dying, she says, no, she said. The only thing I fear is this, that I'm afraid of living, lest my patience should wear out. I, I have not said an impatient word yet. Sir, I hope that I shall not. It is sad to be very weak, but I think if I had to, my choice, I'd rather be, be here be here then, or excuse me, be here rather than good health, for the very precious to me I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he's waiting for me this very moment. He will send his chariot of fire to take me to him. I've had several. Just sitting with over the time at you know, a life care center in Hilo and and people so far away over a period of time, I mean, sometimes 18, 24 months, it, it's an investment. And they, they tell me, you know, I'm ready to meet the Lord now. And they pass away. Have you ever been to a bedside and someone in the hospital and the families get their way around and they're waiting for that last family member to come? And the one thing that the person, even though they may not seem conscious, it, you know, one thing I've always told the people, when the family is there, just tell them, it's okay, auntie. Go be with Jesus. And they close their eyes in peace and they go be with Him. What do these people need? They're just like you and me. They need love and care. They need Jesus. And you're the one that He wants to use. The question is, will you be available? Can He use you? And there's no more wonderful thing than being used by Jesus. When I went into ministry, I was told by a brother who's already gone to be with the Lord, he says, Ron, this would be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. In fact, Ron, it's going to be the most painful thing you'll ever do in your life. But let me tell you, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do when you allow God to use you. Father, thank you for this time I do pray for this body, Lord, that you would just move this body into place. Lord, that you would give them the boldness in Christ. That you would give them the desire and the heart to be used by you. To glorify you. To magnify you. Lord, may they be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. What you have instilled in their hearts. May they be patient and loving and kind And just be there and watch for your leading and not run ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen.